Hello and welcome to See You Out of Court, a brand spanking new podcast focusing on new ways to resolve disputes without burning vast amounts of money through the courts. It was in 1895 when an Irish judge, Sir James Matthews, said somewhat cynically that in England justice was open to all, just like the Ritz Hotel. Um, Have things improved? I don't think so. In 2016, the Lord Chief Justice declared that the justice system had become unaffordable to most. How true that remains. And all the more reasons for other forms of resolution which we'll learn about in this series, including some that various courts around the world are beginning to offer themselves. I guess they don't want to lose the business. One theme throughout this podcast will be how technology is designing and offering more effective, practical, speedier and less costly, and therefore more accessible ways to resolve disputes. Each podcast will feature new developments with interviews with experts in the field. It will be of interest not just to lawyers, mediators, arbitrators or organisations that face disputes, but also anybody who may find themselves in dispute. In other words, all of us. Oh, and who am I? Well, my name is Graham Ross. I'm a lawyer and mediator. I'm also someone who's been heavily involved in technology developments in alternative dispute resolution, which is known as online dispute resolution, ODR for short. Uh, I've been involved there for some 20 years. I'm a fellow of the National Centre for Technology and Dispute Resolution at the University of Massachusetts and a council member of the International Council for Online Dispute Resolution, both the recognised leading organisations in the field. I also run a mediator panel uh, at cuoutofcourt.com. Each episode will contain news on alternative dispute resolution as well as interviews with experts in the field. In this episode, you will hear some brief interviews with various people I've bumped into at the 19th International Forum on Online Dispute Resolution that took place in Williamsburg, Virginia, USA, uh, last October. Well, I'm so delighted bumping into Colin Rule, an old friend. Yes, Colin, Graham, great my to old, see you. My old buddy, good it, to see uh, you here. Uh, yeah, Colin, Virginia. formerly uh, head of online dispute resolution at eBay and then PayPal. That's and, right. And uh, Now it's Tyler. Now Tyler Technologies. Folks on the courts. Yep. So, so. Um, and the work you're doing, and where do you see, Colin, the, the development of online dispute resolution? Where's it going? Well, it's interesting. It's going in lots of different directions. I mean, that this meeting is being hosted by the National Center for State Courts and that we have like a, a senior justice from the Utah Supreme Court doing our keynote. I mean, it's really amazing. You know, I, I said this to you, Graham, back when you were doing the great work for the Civil Justice Council, you know, talking about Her Majesty's online court and bringing ODR into the, the UK mm-hmm. judiciary. Mm-hmm. The U.S. was way behind at that point. There were no courts that were experimenting with ODR. You're not going to tell me you've overtaken this, have you? <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay, I was about I, to say that, but now I won't say that because I don't want to. I think you, you should say that because I can recognize that <laughs> well, coming here. The funny thing is, I mean, the UK, I think, is taking a very deliberate approach. They've mm-hmm. got this big fund set up to do yeah. judicial modernization, but it's it's so centralized. It seems like it's moving slowly. Whereas in the United States, our courts are so fragmented mm-hmm. that it's easier, in a sense, to do innovation. Well, the, the thing about the UK and the, one of my presentation is having part of the body that produced the report that led to the creation. They're yeah. really. They're opening uh, an online court, yeah. but they're, they're not following any of the advice we gave. I won't go mm-hmm. through all the details of yeah. it, and um, it's a bit disappointing. 
well, how they're sending it out. You know, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I've seen, the difference between the United States and Europe, you know, people are more comfortable with the government playing the lead, the public sector playing the lead uh, in, in the Europe. In, yeah. And I think England, marginally less so than in uh, the European Union. But the United States, the public sector does not play the lead. It's the private sector. Right. And what that means is you have a lot of experiments, most of which that fail. Mm. But some of them succeed, and then they move to the next generation and right. the next generation. Right. So what we're seeing now is lots of courts are throwing spaghetti against the wall, and right. as they say, seeing and, and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So Utah's built its own system. Tyler, we have the Modria system. Mm -hmm. Matterhorn has launched their system in mm -hmm. 70 state mm -hmm. courts. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Turbo Court is a new entrant. So yeah. there's lots and lots of innovation going on. So we have about 25 courts now in the U.S. that are up and running with ODR and another 25 that are building mm -hmm. it. And I think that number is going to double again over so the next you, year. So if you're an administrator for a court and you, want, and you haven't involved in online access and e-filing, yeah. um, you've got a choice. You can decide to get your little technology team to try to build something with fresh, something which up. is your own, yep. or you can contract uh, um, and not have to worry about uh, the future because I think it seems to me that one of the benefits of licensing yeah. a third party is that you, you ride with it. You don't have to have That's a right. sinking fund for building a new system when the first system That's exactly begins right. to start. I mean, what they say is it's the build versus buy decision. Yeah. And if you build it yourself, well, then you own it. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to continue to maintain it, and you know there's mm -hmm. ongoing costs. Mm -hmm. If you decide to buy a platform, well, that's great. You don't have to pay to build it because it's mm -hmm. already built. Mm -hmm. But then you do have to work with a partner, and you have to pay ongoing. Well, you need a company that, that is uh, committed to uh, upwardly, upwardly developing it to keep uh, ahead of the game. Totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of these systems, like Modria was, and like Tyler uh, hosts mm -hmm. their services mm -hmm. there quote-unquote, software as a service. Yeah. So as we add new features for every new customer, well, then all the other customers get those features too. Yeah. So it's sort of like, it's, it's sort of your future-proofing yeah, your, exactly. your platform. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on. I think that's where ODR is really headed. Colin, there's a lot more I'd like to talk to you about, but it's a busy forum. I'm sure we'll get a chance to have a chat uh, at another time. But Absolutely, thank you, my thank friend. Thank you very much. Thank you, Graham. Bye -bye. Anytime. Bye-bye. I'm now joined by Orna Rabinovitz Eni, a professor of law at Haifa University, Israel, and the co-author of Digital Justice, Technology and the Internet of Disputes. Orna, um, where do you see now, we're some, almost, we're 14 years on from that forum, uh, where do you see the state of ODR? I can see there's a lot of court involvement that there wasn't in the early days. And what do you see as the challenges for, okay. for ODR? So we see um, significant expansion of use of ODR, and we see the shift, as you mentioned, from the private arena to the public arena. And as was discussed at the forum here, this presents both a great opportunity, both in terms of uh, expansion, the types of ODR we, we expect to see, and in terms of quality, because we can expect to have more public oversight and control over the values that these systems promote, the goals that uh, they seek to achieve. But it also presents some kind of uh, danger, which we need to watch out for. We don't want to have ODR co-opted, as some have, mentioned, some have mentioned at the forum, in the same ways that ADR has been, um, taken to promote the goals of the court, which have been many times focused on efficiency and reducing the caseload and maybe minimizing the impact uh, ODR systems can have. 
Can I just ask you, so in what way has the courts taken over on the ADR section? Well, um, many of the ADR enthusiasts were hoping that mediation would provide a real alternative to court proceedings, would be something completely different, would be non-adversarial, you wouldn't have lawyers involved, would be much less expensive, would reach totally different types of outcomes than are reached in court. And over the years, mediation has become somewhat of a at least court mediation, has become somewhat of a thin version of expedited uh, adversarial negotiation that occurs in the shadow of the law. I couldn't agree with you more. Of course, in the UK, the court mediation is reduced to a a one- to two-hour telephone. Yes, yes. And that's, of course, shuttling between both parties, so it's even less... Uh, with each party. And it, it, so you me, see that might be a threat for the online... So, that, so um, we actually had a panel today on which uh, Colin Rule spoke and Nancy Welsh and Jean Sternlight, and, um, and they actually said this is valuable experience to learn from. Mm-hmm. What should be the sort of cautionary tales the ODR field watches for? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was uh, some good advice. Yeah. Uh, it's a period of uh, rapid change technology is changing, our preferences are changing. It's very difficult to estimate and predict what would be the challenges in five or ten years. Definitely the introduction of AI is the big, uh, uh, the big on, issue and here. And on that point, because you're a professor at Haifa University, um, do you see a growing interest of the students in wanting to learn about the... the the developments in technology very as part much of their law course, very much so well at Haifa we're kind of unique in the sense that we've always placed significance on the connection between law and technology we've had for many years now a center of law and technology we have a cyber center we have a an LLM in law and technology so our students are exposed to these questions all the time and when we talk about the rapid changes uh, that law and technology are going through, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, our program really demonstrates it because it's changed over the years so much. But we do teach ODR at our program. so. Uh, and, and that's turning that, but certainly your, your course and your school is quite leaders in the field. Well, and, I, uh, I certainly hope uh, so. We try to be. Lovely to see you on it. You too. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Right, I've just uh, passed by a table under the name of Mediate. I know that name. And Jim Melamed is with me here now. Jim, explain about Mediate. Well, Mediate was uh, formed at the very beginning of the commercial internet, January 1, 1996. Wow. was the first day the dot-coms operated. Mm-hmm. And we thought you didn't we were, waste any time then. Well, we didn't. And we thought we were very smart to get Mediate. In fact, we managed to get it for free. There was a time... When if you were involved with the formation of the internet, you could get one of these dot coms for free, mm. and we and the issue was uh, should we get mediator or mediation? The proper answer, of course, is we should have gotten both, mm. and we should have gotten business dot com and sex dot com at the same time. <laughs> but we were thinking uh, as va- uh, as a vanity license plate right. uh, more than a property ownership. Uh, at that time. So yes, since uh, January 1 of 96, we've been in operation and the primary goal has been to educate the world about mediation and to help mediators get business. And how do you help mediators get business? 
uh, is content that is the driver. And so by publishing valuable content over 25 years, we've created lots of traffic, lots of eyeballs, Mm -hmm. uh, and Google recognizes us Mm -hmm. very favorably. Mm -hmm. So when people go to do any search for Mm -hmm. mediation information or mediators, they tend to find us first. And when they find us, they find all the mediators in our directory. You built a critical mass. We we built really a portal site for mediation at a time that you could build portal sites. Mm -hmm. Today, it would be much more challenging uh, because people are inundated with so much digital information. Do you see a correlation or connection between technology, the subject of this conference, and mediation more broadly? Um, Absolutely, in the sense that mediation being a new thing, people needed to be educated about it. Mm. Uh, Now, uh, folks are well comfortable with the internet and finding all the information they need there. Mm -hmm. So now what we're finding is that people are rethinking whether they even need to do a physical meeting in a brick and mortar office, Mm -hmm. Uh, or it might be that they don't have to take off work, they don't have to drive across town, they don't have to struggle to find a parking place and and wait in a waiting room, Mm -hmm. uh, that they can in fact consider the possibility of doing it right online. And the cool thing, of course, about mediation is whether it's online or face-to-face, is if they're not if they're not successful, nothing is ever held against right. them. And I know you now have a category on the database for uh, online mediators. Uh, in fact, I would offer every single mediation is now an online mediation to some extent. Mm-hmm. People are still searching and finding and contacting mediators, mm-hmm. even if it's going to be a face-to-face discussion. And even if only a portion of the mediation is online, you would want that to be done properly online. All the security, all the confidentiality. And uh, so that's what we're focused on. And and what we're finding is that uh, for the younger generation, they're insulted that they wouldn't be able to mediate exactly. online. You can do everything else online. You can, uh, and uh, us old codgers are looking, learning yeah, as well. I know. <laughs> Look, Jim, it's great to catch up with you again. Thank you very much. Thank you so very seven. much. Appreciate it, Well, there you have it, the very first episode of seeyououtofcourt.com. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we'll be looking in a bit more detail as to the processes for resolving disputes outside of court, from mediation to arbitration, adjudication, uh, and other more unusual formats, as well also as tools that help people resolve disputes themselves directly. There will also be more interviews with various experts on the subject and uh, a little walkthrough of some of the more new uh, tools coming on the market. So there you have it, seeyououtofcourt.com, our website, www.seeyououtofcourt.com. See you next time.